So today it's Mother's Day and uh, I've basically chosen um, to look at Hannah in the Bible and uh, specifically chapter um, one and two of one Samuel. Uh, and we're going to see it's really the story of one, it seems, ordinary woman but we're going to see it's so much, so much more than that. And as you know, for a long, long time, Anna struggled with barrenness. And she was together with her husband, um, like literally 10 years without children, when after 10 years being childless, Elkanah, the husband, took a second wife called Penina. And even the, for the next 10 years, Hannah was mocked and taunted by the other wife, Penina, because um, Penina had 10 sons and two daughters before Anna even got any children at all. So we're talking about, we, we're talking about two decades of barrenness and a very hard situation for Hannah. Although Anna was favored by her husband. So her husband used to give her um, more for her offering when she was going to the top home. So, and her name, even the name Hannah, it means favor and grace. And although her name is, is favor and grace, her deep desire for a child was not fulfilled. And that's the story of Anna. Now, let me pause here because some of you might think, what a weird story to choose for Mother's Day. And when I was preparing myself, I thought, Oh, isn't it, isn't it a little insensitive? Because I know so many women who are actually struggling to conceive, who are actually in the exact situation of Hannah. And I want to acknowledge right away before I start speaking, her Mother's Day is a celebration, but as well, her Mother's Day can, can, can be an incredibly painful day. Some of us, you might have lost a mother, some of us might have lost babies. Some of, of us might be struggling to conceive. So this day in itself could be an incredibly painful day. And I know of some people even avoiding going to church on Mother's Day for that very reason. And you know what? I do think that it's time as a family that we are authentic. We are authentic with our struggle and our pain. And however painful, we want to stand together. We want to support each other. We want to pray each other. We want to love each other. And in the midst of issues so deep as that, we want to press through for breakthrough, but as well loving each other deeply. So let me start by praying. Because yes, this morning, as I'm going to take this topic, I do believe for physical breakthrough and I do believe for womb to be restored. So like a lie, I want to just declare right now for for peace and womb restored. I want to say like a lie, go in peace and let's see birth in a year's time. Let's see birth, physical birth and birth of dreams in, in a year time. And I, I just wanted to start by that because I think it's really important that we are authentic. Now, this story is about physical breakthrough, but it's much more, much more than that. We're going to see that it's about God being at work and how he fulfills his promises. So let me start by the global picture. Now, the story of Anna sounds very, very familiar. 
because do you know what? She is the fourth woman in biblical history to suffer for infertility. From the promise to Abraham that he will be made the father of multitude to the 12 tribes established. Every generation struggle to conceive. Every generation. And it's as if the promises could not be fulfilled. So we've got Sarah. Uh, who gives her servant Hagar to Abraham before herself. She gets Isaac and she's aged 90. We've got Rebecca who waited 20 years before she had Esau and Jacob. Then we've got Rachel who gave her servant Bilal to her husband Jacob before having Joseph and Benjamin. All of these uh, women dearly loved by their husband but unable to conceive. It seemed it seems that barrenness came in the midst of God's incredible promises of fruitfulness to the point that in the middle of the situation, as human, no one could not, could understand and comprehend how those promises are going to be fulfilled. No one could. It was humanly impossible without God. Now, a thousand years later, after Egypt, after the captivity, after the promised land, God is doing a new thing. Israel is transitioning from a group of tribes ruled by judges to unified kingdom who will eventually be ruled by King David. And there, in this new chapter, at the beginning of this new chapter, we find the story of Anna. Again, barrenness in the middle of incredible promises. And Hannah's story is opening up this new historic season. As we know, her son, Samuel, will have a key role in God's purpose as he will be the prophet who anoints Saul and David. And they, David, as we know, will be in the lineage of the Messiah. Anna's song is recorded in chapter two, and Anna's song summer, sums up the whole lesson you can find in the two books of Samuel. God opposes the proud and exalts the humble. And despite human wrongdoing and evil, God is at work, and God will raise, will raise up a messiah, a messianic king. He will raise up Jesus to come and save humanity. So there's a big purpose there. Amazingly, this pattern will continue. And a thousand years later, you will find Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, struggling to conceive again. But age 60, she will eventually conceive John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who will have the role to announce Jesus coming and who will baptize Jesus. Can you see this overall picture? There is a story about God's grace and how he is at work. He does not let go. This is the global narrative of God's wonderful promises coming to fruition through barren people, coming bearing fruit through weak people, coming through impossible situation so that we will know he is God. And so we will learn to depend on him for the fulfillment of his promises. So in this picture, what we need is to trust his timing and his great purpose. So I know this morning and I'm confident that whatever the circumstances, we all can learn something from Anna's story. We all have promises. And sometimes 
in fear, it feels like we are barren. It feels like we have promises, but no fruit to show, no fruits to show. And still we're pressing on for these prophecies and promises to be fulfilled. I believe that Hannah's attitude provides us with amazing insight on how to position ourselves to receive, you know, and see the fulfillment of dream, vision, and blessing for our lives, and as well see the advancement of the kingdom. So let's have a little look at Anna's story more in particular. What can we learn from Hannah? First of all, she and her husband loved the Lord, and every year they would do a trip to God's house to worship and sacrifice. It was a priority for them. You see, they were in a covenant relationship with their God, putting God, God at the center of everything, putting God, you know, at number one on the priority list. And this made me think of the verse, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. God at the center of everything. It's what we need to have to, if we want to see our prayer answered, our promises fulfilled. Now, each time Sarah would be mocked by Penina, she would be so deeply sighed that she would lose her appetite. But systematically in the midst of that, she would turn to God in prayer. Noticed she resisted to answer back um, a tormentor, but in her pen, she resisted bitterness, she resisted revenge. But prayer became the vehicle for her to express a pain and desire. And I think that's very much the way to go. Prayer is at the center here. It says in 1 Samuel 1 that once on this now 10 years of old family routine of going to the temple to present their offering, Penina was mocking, mocking Sarah again. And Sarah was deeply affected. She stood up from the table and went straight to pray. She was praying and she was weeping bitterly. And then she made this vow that if she would get a son, he will serve the Lord all the days of, her, of his life. Uh, you see, that's my point three here. Anna was authentic to God with her pain and sorrow. She describes herself to Eli as deeply troubled in anguish and grief. I wonder, and certainly when I was preparing that, I wondered um, how it looked like, how it looks like to weep bitterly and we bitterly being grieved in your soul. That's something that is real. That's something that is raw. That's something that does not look pretty. I mean, actually, Eli saw her muttering with this desperation. And originally, he thought that she was drunk. She didn't, she didn't care how she looked like. She was authentic in her sorrow. She was authentic about her feeling of despair and she came to God in prayer. Now, another thing that characterized Hannah is her faithfulness. It's praying 
and coming with supplication years after years. She never, never gave hope on God. She came to God faithfully years after years. Um, and what's interesting is um, when Eli blessed her, she said, God in peace. Uh, sorry, she said, he said to her, go in peace. May the Lord grant you what you have asked. And Elijah didn't really have, he didn't have a clue how long Hannah was praying and what she was praying for. But something happened at that moment and Hannah went on her way and started to eat something. And she, the Bible said she was no longer downcast. It's, it seems to me that suddenly hope came, an assurance came about things she could not yet see. But after many years of supplication, heartache, at that moment, she got hold of something. Something has shifted. She got peace in the midst of her circumstances. She was able to trust God. She was able to lift her eyes. And I think there, there was the beginning of a shift there. I, I would even say probably the beginning of her breakthrough came here. Faith, hope, peace came. And it made me think it's very much how prayer works. Remember, we pray with supplication, sitting on the right seat, not out of fear, not out of selfish desire, but we bring everything to God until we have this assurance, faith come to us, hope come to us. We receive supernatural peace for what is to come. Prayer works like that. Notice Anna's reaction to childlessness was very different than all the other women in the Old Testament. Sarah laughed at the promises. In Genesis 18, 12, it says she laughed. She said, how can I? give birth. I'm such an old woman. Rebecca questioned in Genesis 25 verse 22. She said, why? Why is it happening to me? Why am I like this? Rachel pleaded with her husband rather than turning to God. She said to her husband, just please go, go and take my servant. But Anna trusted God. She trusted God through mockery. She trusted God through judgments from other she didn't retaliate to other wives. She still kept respect towards Eli, although Eli questioned her and thought she was drunk. She showed him respect. Anna didn't take any situation in her own hands. She brought all her sorrow to God. She trusted God. She didn't get offended by others. She didn't get offended to God. So she brought everything there and she trusted. Now, what happened once Hannah's prayer was answered? The story does not end. There is more here than one prayer answered. So Anna gives birth to Samuel and nurtures him for three years before to bring him to God's house. You see, if we want to enter God's promises and see our dreams come to maturity, there is a process. 
we don't just receive promises we trust god we press in faith we pray we birth the dreams we then nurture the dream until maturity that is our doing you know she took the child but she still nurtured the child now what comes next is absolutely amazing she's then honors her promise to god to give up samuel so part of the process here for her was to give back the child she was given in the first place and i think that happened to us as well part of the process is to give back to god the very precious thing that he gives us it's all part of the trusting so for example god gives you children but you give them back to god you trust him for your children god gives you an amazing job but you give it back to god it's in his hand you say thank you for my success at work but it's yours i am yours god bless you financially and answer your prayer but it's the same with money you give it back to god you say god my money it's all yours everything is yours you utterly dependent on his grace there is something about anna's integrity and her level of trusting god she kept her word even if it meant losing the very thing she had desired for so long because do you know what she understood that ultimately it's all god's it's all is now god blessed the sacrifice because each year eli will bless hannah and her children for more and um elkanah and hannah went on to have five more children three sons and two daughters and you can find that in 1 Samuel 2 verse 21 you see everything belongs to him in the giving back to god there is possibility possibility for the multiplication there's possibility for the more i say possibility because you know what god does not a, a thing he does not owe us but he loves us to he loves to bless us there was never any guarantee or any promises that god will give hannah more children but effectively look at the multiplication from one sacrifice god multiplied his blessing and he gave above all of her desire much more and in abundance